This is a 720 to go podcast from Chicago's WGN Radio 720. This podcast is sponsored by ADM. As one of the world's largest agricultural processors, ADM is uniquely positioned to serve the world's growing needs for abundant food and renewable energy. ADM. When it comes to the business of America's farmland, you need the information from the people who know it best. That's why we bring you AgriCast with Orion Samuelson and Max Armstrong. Thank you very much, Roger, and good morning to you. Good morning, world, as we come your way for our weekly get-together on Saturday morning here on WGN Radio, the Saturday morning show. And as I mentioned earlier, talking to Matt, a lot of things to talk about this morning. And if you are needing to repair your lawn or seed a new one, then by all means, stay with us because Jim Fazell will tell you what to do and how to do it when he joins us here on the Saturday Morning Show. Jim Fazell joins us again this week to talk about lawns and gardens and vegetables and flowers and trees and everything else. But as I recall, Jim, a week ago when we ended our visit, uh, you said you'd be talking about lawns this week. You got it. And uh, true to our word, we're going to do that. You know, it's uh, (laughs) the summer is hurrying along. It seems like when we get up close to Labor Day, there's just an awful lot of stuff to do in the fall. One of the things we need to do is is uh, do any repair that's necessary on our lawns, and they've taken a beating this year. Actually, mid-August is the prime time to do that, so we're right there. We just passed the midpoint of it. And incidentally, the 5th of August is the midpoint of summer. So there's a lot of summer left to go, but there are a lot of things to do, and the weather's going to get better. One of the reasons we plant at this time of year, we hope to have cooler and wetter weather. hope we're not going to get any more of that 90-degree or extended 90-degree stuff. And we've had a little moisture in the last week, uh, some places more than others. Fewer weed problems because most weeds don't germinate in the fall. They germinate in the spring. And if you if you look at how grass grows out in nature, this is the time of year when the grass seed matures and it falls, it gets down into the ground where it's going to germinate on its own. So that's the natural time to plant grass, and we're going to take advantage of that. Now, for lawn repairs, if your lawn is thatchy, thatch is a brown, almost like a doormat layer between the green part of the grass and the soil. If you have a thatch layer that's more than a half inch thick or even maybe a quarter of an inch if you have some compaction problems, uh, you need to core aerify. Now, the core aerifiers that most people are using make a hole every 40-some-odd square inches, and what you need is... 36 holes per square foot. That means your machine that you run should have a tie in about every two inches. So you make a hole every two inches through the thatch, the cores are going to come up. Our good old friend Jim Novak, mutual friend of ours who was with the Turf Growers Association for years, always said when you do it right, it looks like the elephants went through the place. (laughs) And that's the way to do it if you're going to do a good job of, of thatching. Now, if you have bad spots in the yard and they're the only things you need to to repair, you can scratch those up. If there's no um, duff or thatch in the way, scratch them up to make a little bit of a seed bed. If you do have a lot of duff or there's a lot of thatch in there, you want to remove that so that you're down to good soil. If that leaves a hole, you need to bring some soil out from somewhere else in the yard to get it back out to level. Then you want to scatter seed in the spots and gently rake it in. Now, if you have a general renewal where the lawn is thin but otherwise okay, not a lot of weeds and so forth, the best way to take care of that is to cut it very short, 
This is the one time when we recommend doing that. And to slip seed the lawn. Now, a slip seeding machine can be rented, or you can have a landscape contractor come in and do that for you. It's like a miniature conservation drill that puts seed in rows down through the lawn. Or you can take a power rake out and put the, put the rows or the, the grooves in for yourself and then broadcast seed into these holes. Now, if you core aerified, it's a good idea to get seed into those core holes because actually if the core holes are two by two, that's the exact population of grass that you're going to need when it's mature. So that works as well. Now, if you need complete renovation, this is the time to do that as well. And that takes a little bit of time, but we have sufficient time to do it before the season breaks down. This is if you have a lot of grassy weeds out there, a lot of dandelions, a lot of quack grass, and so forth. You need to get rid of all the perennial weeds and the old grass by spraying with glyphosate. Uh, then you want to wait five days to make sure that everything is beginning to turn yellow. Mow short. Then you can slit seed in two directions. Or you can broadcast seed, as we mentioned before. Or the next, the next step would be to have somebody come in and just remove all of that old sod that's on there with a sod cutter. Now, you can't even rent these things, but a lot of contractors, landscape contractors, have them. It will go in and it will take off that top layer of soil, top layer of all that duff that's in there, top layer of all the dead weeds and stuff, so that you, that you have a good surface to work with. Now, if you do that, you need to work that soil up somehow or another so that you have a, a seed bed there. You don't want to just sow seed on uh, soil that's been scuffed by that, mo by that uh, sod cutter. Then in, if you, if you, uh, you have two choices then. After, after you've gotten it ready to go, you can either broadcast seed it, as I said, with a, with a, um, a power rake it and then broadcast seed so you have your, your grooves in it, or you can uh, use a slit seeder in that case as well. Now, the seed mixtures that you want to put down are very important. At this time of year, we like to use some perennial ryegrass and Kentucky bluegrass. If you go to the seed store, you're going to find that most of the blends of seed grass that's used for sunny areas in particular are something like 50% Kentucky bluegrass blends, and it might have three or four different varieties, plus turf-type perennial ryegrass, and these have names as well. Um, they are named varieties that have been selected, so they blend well with Kentucky bluegrass. In fact, if you have a lawn that's 100% perennial ryegrass, unless you know what to look for, you might just assume that that's actually bluegrass. So they, go, they grow very much the same. They are resistant to a couple of different diseases, some that the bluegrass get, ryegrass doesn't get, and so forth. So it's a good idea to have that blend. Now, if you have a shaded area, a good idea would be get a, to get a shade mix, and if you look at the label, you'll find that it has a, a variety called creeping red fescue in it. This is a fine-leafed grass that grows very well in the shade. Same color as Kentucky blue, bluegrass and perennial ryegrass, but it tolerates some of these conditions that those two grasses would not tolerate. Now, when you get everything done, especially when you've got uh, the full lawn redone, this time of year I like to put one of these fiber mats over the top of it or straw so that you have maybe 50% shade. When you get that down, you want to water the whole thing, and you want to keep it moist but not wet. Now, if you keep it too wet, you're going to have a problem with pythium, which is a fungus disease that comes in. And you certainly want to water early in the day so that the thing dries off fairly well by nightfall. Now, for sodding, after you've stripped off the lawn, you do need to loosen the soil, put down a starter fertilizer, moisten, and then lay the sod. Now, sod that you get needs to be fresh. It needs to have been grown on the same kind of soil as, in, as is in your yard.
uh, and it needs to be put down the day that you get it. You don't want it to sit around because it will heat in the rolls and it will deteriorate, and when you roll it out, you'll find it's already yellow, and you don't want that. Now, after you get it down, it's a good idea to roll it so that you have good contact between the sod itself and the soil underneath it. Not a heavy roller, but a light roller just to get the sod pushed down where it belongs. And then go ahead and begin your watering. If you have seed, you want to keep the seed moist until it's up and growing, or you can let nature do it. Now, the risk we have with that is, in the last few years, we haven't had very much rain in the fall. So if you want to risk just waiting for rain to do it, you may have uh, grass that's not going to get up until maybe Halloween, maybe too late. So if you're going to all the trouble to do it now, the best thing to do is to get the, the sprinklers out and keep it moist as, as need be. Sod needs to be kept for about two weeks or until it's knitted. And uh, unfortunately, we have watering restrictions in a lot of municipalities. But if you go to the, to the uh, uh, offices and tell them that you have new sod down, they will usually give you a buy so that you don't have to abide by these watering restrictions for a time until your grass is really knitted. Once the grass is up to mowing height, mow it. Uh, you should have plenty of grass up to mow by fall. Uh, I did this last year. You know, John Cass and I both got dis- dis- discouraged with <laughs> losing our tomato plants in the garden, so we both put in grass. He put in sod, I put in seed. We have both beautiful grass right now, but this is probably going to come up next year when we get back to gardening. Anyway, time to do it. Plenty of time to do it. Uh, if you do it now and do it right, you should have good grass up by fall, and certainly by next spring you're going to have a beautiful lawn again. And I have to tell you, Jim, on Monday night in Huntley at Sun City, where we live, in one hour, we got 2.13 inches of rain. I believe it. I saw the clouds. But you know what? We got about three-tenths. Isn't that amazing? I know. It's been that way all spring, really. And the thing is, it started as a light sprinkle, and then all of a sudden it was like somebody pulled the cord, and it opened up, and it just poured for an hour, and then it was all done again. So, But it helped. It was good. Yeah. We could use it. Send us some if you have any extra, or and we need it. Okay. Will do. And look forward to talking with you again next week. I'll be here. All right, that's Jim Fazell. Jim is our specialist in ornamental horticulture, and he's been part of the Saturday morning show for about four decades. So thanks again to Jim, and uh, we'll be back with more here on the Saturday morning show. We're at 20 minutes after 5 o'clock here on the Saturday morning show as the state fair season winds down. The outdoor farm show season gets underway. And right now, we'll check in with Max to talk about one of the first ones coming up. Max? Orion, this will be the ninth half-century of Progress show. It started in 2003, but of course it's held only every other year. And the year of the Farm Progress show is at Decatur, and there's something new this year. Well, one of the things that you'll find new amid all the old equipment out there is the Jolene Brown, a popular agriculture meeting speaker, will be joining us to make two presentations on both Thursday and Friday, the 22nd and 23rd, down at Arantua, where the show is held. I reached Jolene on the phone the other day and said, we're looking forward to hearing her speech. 
Thank you, Max. I can hardly wait to come. And yes, there's going to be a lot of laughter, a lot of real life stories, and they'll be so glad that they're attending the sessions. Well, I think what we find sometimes is the spouse who comes along maybe is looking for some kind of an alternative other than the equipment. And and that's not just necessarily how she looks at it. It may be how he looks at it, too, because we, we welcome in all of the family members. And that's been, I think, a real hallmark of this show. There's been something for everyone in the family. And your message is so important. It connects not just with farm families, especially with families out on the farm, but others, too, it seems. Well, yes, in each of the mornings on August 22 and August 23, at 10 a.m., I'm going to share, holy crap, I married a farmer. <laughs> so, that is joy-filled lessons from sisters in agriculture. So, so they're going to hear things like, you know, during harvest, throw food at them, keep walking, do not make eye contact. <laughs> That's a- but you know what's fun, Max, is when I do that presentation, I expect to see certainly a lot of women. But what I find is we have more men because we're talking about them. <laughs> They're in the speech, and they want they want to know what we're going to say. And, oh, my gosh, the laughter that comes out in the rib poking. It's going to be a great morning from 10 to 11 on August the 22nd and 23rd. And I would imagine, yes, those guys want to want to know just how to uh, take that defensive position when they get home after you've, you've hit pretty close to home for them. You know, it, it is a very apt message because so many folks marry into a farm family. And I've heard this from men and women both who, well, there were some surprises when they got there, some relationships and maybe some barriers to open communication. And uh, they just had to work through it. And some haven't been able to do so unfortunately. Well, and we're going to be talking about in-laws. We're going to be talking about uh, the feeling of isolation. And if there ever is a year in 2019, that is the time when we need to laugh and pull together and have a timeout just for us. You know, Mother Nature's put us on one whale of a roller coaster, and I'm putting her on some hormone pills, Max, because i got to get her regulated. <laughs> it's just been way too much. Then we, we, you know, we deal with the tariffs and the trade and the politics and all the financial pressures out there. I think it's time at this event, at the Half Century Project, that we renew, renew, refresh, and restore ourselves. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Holy Crap, I Married a Farmer. Oh, I love that. Renew, refresh, and restore. You know, what occurs to me about this current agriculture challenge or set of challenges that we have, some of our older farmers have been down the path. Uh, some of those veteran farmers have rode those rocky years. They've been through the peaks and troughs of the agriculture economy, and it has really been a challenge. Uh, they, they know it so well. They survived, and they realized that the some things that help them survive and get to this point in their careers. For younger operators, it's a very different story, isn't it, Jolene? Yes, we need the wise masters, <laughs> you know, those who were in the roller coaster, and we sure did on our farm. So, um, but I also have to remind those of us who have been around a while that everybody needs to be able to tell their story. I was at an event last week, and I was talking with a farmer, and I could tell he was getting pretty down, and you know, trying to get his chin off the ground, and just I was listening to his story. And another farmer interjected, and he said, well, it could be worse. We could have been living through the Depression. And you know, Max, that shut down the conversation that minute. This young farmer needed a chance to tell his story. He needed to know that somebody cared about him and that he's not alone. So even though we think we may have the answers, (laughs) we need to have the ears because it's very important. And, you know, in the afternoon, I'm going to take them to – Stop the fighting on the way to the funeral home, because that's my presentation from 2.30 to 3.30. What I found out is during these, especially when we're financially stressed and all of the political world that's coming at us and Mother Nature, that we tend to take those problems back home. 
and all of a sudden we've got more stuff happening within a family business that should not be happening. So what I hope to do and stop the fighting on the way to the funeral home is I want them to honor their family so much that they'll do the business right. And I'm going to share with them 10 things that, that tend to break up a business and cause fighting on the way to the funeral home. Because I had a call two weeks ago to come sit in an attorney's office while the family was going to hear the reading of Dad's will. The problem was each one of them brought their own attorney with them. (laughs) We don't want to get to that stage. There's nothing better or worse than farming with family members. And what I know is that when we do it right, then you can sit together happily at a holiday table. And I am so eager to bring the real-life stories and to take them home and to have a chance to celebrate with them. So many times it seems we're uh, afraid to admit that there's a challenge in our life. We don't really want to talk about it. We fear that there will be people who will say, well, hey, you know, uh, we toughed it out. Uh, we got through it. Uh, you know, what's, ra- what's wrong with uh, you sissies? Uh, and everybody needs to realize that this is a very different era. These are very different challenges, that this is a, a scenario here that maybe indeed has not been faced in the agriculture industry before. And I, I come back to something you touched on being a listener being a good listener keeping your yap shut and just listening with empathy and sympathy interest is important isn't it you know you said that to a speaker right (laughs) (laughs) and yes we need to listen we need to be the one who cares and if we have the opportunity to be a ray of sunshine to let them know they're not alone that's so important and you know at this half century of progress they bring family members they see neighbors they meet new friends and that is exactly what we need because this is not a journey to be traveled alone when i look back at the number of emails and phone calls and conversations i have of people facing bankruptcy foreclosure fear um, I've had some that I've been real concerned about suicide, some scary calls. And so what I know is don't take this lightly here. This is a tipping point for us, but it's a tipping point where we just might be their sunshine for that day to let them know that there's things we can do together or resources to help you along the way. We first have to make sure we're looking in the mirror and taking care of ourselves. And then the family at our kitchen table. And then what about our neighbors? You know, I'll not forget when my youngest granddaughter was telling Grandma Great, who was 102, she said, you know, a lot of people, Grandma, don't even know their neighbors. And she said, well, whose fault is that? (laughs) (laughs) This is the time, Max, a time to laugh and celebrate. And I hope when they're at my session that they left the laughter out, because if they don't, it settles back down and spreads out their hips. (laughs) It doesn't look so good. So let's have a great fun time at the Half Century of Progress. I'll be there the 21st, 2nd, and the 23rd both at 10 in the morning and 2.30 in the afternoon. Then I'm also going to be at a table. I'll have my books and my DVDs there, but I want to be there to hear their stories, the funny ones and the ones that have us all quite concerned. So I am there for them the whole time on the 22nd and the 23rd. Smiles make us all look a little bit better, I think, and uh, you will help enable that, no doubt. One thing I've said over the years, Jolene, from going to this show is that we we maybe are drawn initially for the equipment, but it's the people who keep us coming back. And I would imagine when they meet Jolene Brown, that message will only be reinforced to the half-century of progress. We look forward to seeing you. Thank you, Max. And I can't wait to see some old friends and meet some new ones there. Popular farm meeting speaker Jolene Brown, who'll be at the Half Century of Progress down at Arantua, Illinois, on both Thursday and Friday, with a presentation each day in the morning and in the afternoon. Then, of course, Orion will be there together on Saturday. And folks can find much more information at the website, halfcenturyofprogress.com.
com. 25 minutes before 6 o'clock here on 720 WGN, and we say welcome to Samuelson Says. I'm Orion today talking about making sure you know what you're eating. There are literally hundreds of lobbying organizations in Washington, D.C., representing all sorts of groups and people, corporations, manufacturers, commodity groups, and certainly agriculture has its share of these lobbying groups. So this week on Samuelson Says, you will not hear my words because I am quoting a press release of one of the lobby groups that is friendly to agriculture and food called Center for Consumer Freedom. This past week, the group placed ads in the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal to point out the difference between fake meat and real meat. Let me now quote from the press release. We created this campaign to educate consumers who may assume that foods with the title plant-based are healthy. With market research finding that nearly 40% of plant-based protein consumers want to avoid processed food, the center is educating consumers about the catalog of processed ingredients that are used in fake meats. Will Coggan, managing director, said, Despite what the name leads people to believe, plant-based meats are made in industrial facilities not gardens. Fake meat companies are trying to promote a health halo over their products, but consumers should know that imitation meat is highly processed and in some cases has more calories and sodium than the real thing. The companies pushing out fake meats are not telling the full story. Many fake meat products are heavily processed and can have more calories and sodium than real natural meat. The center has launched cleanfoodfacts.com to provide a side-by-side analysis of fake meat products and real meats. That's cleanfoodsfact.com. Now, I'm not taking sides on this issue. I'm glad consumers have a choice to eat what they want. I just know that real meat will always be on my dinner table. My thoughts on Samuelson Says. A presentation of Tribune Radio Networks here on the Saturday Morning Show. Standing by to talk markets, Max Armstrong sits down in the studio with Richard Brock of Brock Associates when we continue here on the Saturday Morning Show. Richard Brock, back in the studio with us, Brock Associates. We, earlier this year, were drawing a lot of comparisons with previous years. We can't do that with any year anymore, can we? Making any kind of an analogous comparison here? I I don't think so, Max. I mean, you know, the crop got planted so late. We have a lot of uh, prevent plant acres. And I think this is going to be a guessing game all the way into October. Uh, as to what these yields are going to be. Now, with that said, I know a lot of farmers don't want to believe uh, the August crop report. I think based on what is going on at the time, I think it's accurate myself. I mean, I think the corn numbers are accurate on the planted acres. And people was earlier were saying, well, we can't have that many acres with all the prevent plant. Well, you take a look at what um, came out as prevent plant. We've got 11.2 million acres in corn. 
and 4.3 million acres on beans. And you look at the states where it occurred, you know, the big ones, um, uh, South Dakota and Illinois, uh, I don't see how anybody can really argue with these numbers. I, th- I think they're pretty accurate. Uh, Indiana, same way. And so we had a lot of, uh, of land that didn't get planted. And, you know, but, you know, looking around the country and traveling a lot here in the last uh, 10 days, uh, the corn crops come on very fast. Uh, you know, the genetics is really going to make a difference there. And uh, while some can argue with the USDA's uh, estimated yield of 169.5, and I would say it's a little bit on the high side, uh, but, you know, I think 166 to 167 is pretty reasonable. Really? You think so? Yeah, I think it is. Uh, look, we're going to have uh, very high yields in, in, um, in Nebraska. And in most of Iowa, not all of Iowa, there's some spots in Iowa that are pretty bad. Um, most of Minnesota is going to be okay, although, you know, there's spots there too. Uh, and then, well, some states, which are not big players, I was just in Tennessee last week. Uh, they're going to have record corn yields in Tennessee. Tennessee, western Kentucky, and very strong. Kentucky, yeah. very strong. And our clients in the Mississippi Delta have already started harvest, uh, most of them, and they're reporting record yields in the Delta. And so, you know, a lot of the poor yields are going to be offset by uh, some really uh, large ones. But in order to turn this corn market around, I really think you have to have a yield at 163 or less. Anything above that, you know, I'm in the camp that we just made at least a three-year top in the corn market. I I think it's going to be really difficult to get this market back to where it was a month ago. So the opportunity that we had uh, there briefly in July. Yeah. Is you know, not going in, in to our own case, soon. you know, and marketing results are going to be all over the board this year. Um, in our case, we went in the report fifty percent priced on this year's corn and twenty percent on uh, next year's corn, and I think we were too conservative. And I know a lot of farmers thought we were crazy doing that. You know, and the other end of the spectrum, uh, I've watched uh, even in our own uh, introducing brokerage firm, uh, farmers who do their own marketing and, and don't listen to us uh, went in this report long futures. Now, if you went in this report long futures, um, we'll call it Texas hedge, you know, you're long the field, long the board. I mean, you can destroy marketing results real quick doing that. I, I just don't think it's a, you know, if you didn't want to be short, then be out. But, um, you know, this is going to have a reversal of fortunes, unfortunately, for a lot of people. I had a farmer tell me, a northern Illinois farmer, said he had been out looking at at some of his corn, and he said, uh, I'm swearing you to secrecy here, but he said, it looks like it could be a very good yield. But, 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 he underscored, everything has to fall in place from here on out. He's got to be able to get that crop mature. He has to have moisture for it yet. And he still needs the heat for it. Well, yeah, I can understand that. And a lot of people say, yeah, well, what if we get an early frost? You know, if you base all your marketing decisions on what ifs, you're never going to get anything done. You know, I mean, you got to spread it out. I, You know, people may not want to be as aggressive as we've been, but it depends on where the farm is. You know, if you're in Tennessee, Mississippi, you can be really aggressive because you're close to harvest in those states with record crops. You know, would 
be that aggressive in South Dakota? No, uh, you know it's you know it's it's kind of like uh, real estate prices, location, location, location. You got uh, it, it's hard doing general recommendations in marketing this year because no one falls into the same uh, category, and so it's been very very difficult for firms like ours to try and say, look, we're going to fifty percent price. For some of you, that might mean seventy. For some of you, it might mean thirty. And uh, you got to read between the lines based on uh, the per- production of, of the farm. No one size fits all marketing this year. You're saying no, not at all. And you know, and even you know, like next week, you know, the uh, pro farmer tour uh, will be uh, taking place. I, I don't see how we're going to get any accurate information out of crop tours uh, next week. Uh, the crop's too far behind. Uh, you know, whatever comes out of there will probably be a bullish number because of the maturity of the crop. Uh, so, you know, hope something good comes out of it, but it's going to be very difficult with the maturity of, uh, of the crop right now. The crop that worries me more than anything else, you know, put me on a debate team, I could probably argue uh, more strongly for bullish case in soybeans than, than in corn, just because this, most of the beans got planted so late, you're looking at basically double crop yields. Uh, for soybeans, they're way behind. So if anything is suspect to uh, an early frost uh, and low yields, I think it's soybeans and not corn. One grower not far from where we're sitting here in the Chicago area told me uh, earlier this week his beans were no more than, I think he said, thigh high. And uh, he said, you know, they've got quite a ways to go yet. Yeah, they um, they are way behind. You know, this morning, um, I, I've flew from Milwaukee to Chicago just I wanted to get a crop tour and I knew I, I would be low to stay under the incoming traffic to O'Hare and uh, everything looked really green that was planted I mean I saw a lot of prevent plant acres on the way down uh, but you know I can't even from 4,000 feet you can't tell how high the, the soybeans are uh, but uh, but they're green, but they're way behind. And, and uh, you know, I don't know if soybeans can catch up like corn or not. I'm not an agronomist. Corn does catch up, uh, but soybeans, uh, they got a long way to go to, for maturity because uh, they were planted so late. Generally, in the month of August, we see the condition ratings on corn fall week mm-hmm. to week. And in most years, that happens. You'll, you'll see it ratchet down. Are we not likely to see that uh, this year simply because of the lack of maturity? Uh, I think it's probably true. It, it'll ratchet down some. Uh, and, you know, these the crop ratings, and I follow them just like you do and everybody else, it's very entertaining. There's really no correlation between final yields and, and crop ratings. I, it, just, it just never works. Uh, but it does provide a lot of entertainment on a week-by-week basis. Trade sure follows them a lot, and Trade it seems follows like. it and influences the market for a few minutes. Uh, but um, Put in perspective that rain of this past week as it occurred through southwest Wisconsin, mm-hmm. a large swath of central Missouri. You looked at Illinois. There were some amounts of two to three inches and a wide swath from Springfield down to Mount Vernon, Illinois, over to St. Louis. There was a good, strong band from LaSalle, Peru, Illinois, up towards southwest Wisconsin. But there were others that were missed. But but it, that was an, a, a very meaningful rain for some farmers, wasn't it? It's going to be very helpful uh, to some of them. It was very, very needed. Um, but, you know, as we discussed earlier, you know, we need some more timely rains. And, you know, you don't finish a corn crop out and a soybean crop out without having moisture in the ground. And so we're in a critical yield development stage right now in both crops. And uh, so the forecast, so, the weather forecast, remains. 
quite critical. It not, not only from a standpoint of a possibility of an early frost, but to get the heat and the moisture that is needed to correct, move it along. Know, I mean, you know, now, okay, here we are mid-August. Um, we're looking at some crops with a maturity of mid-July, you know, and... Uh, and so we all know how important July weather is. So August uh, weather is now uh, crucial, and uh, and it will be the first two weeks of September as well. So we have in the minds of many producers two crop reports, back to back reports, significant reports that are un- unbelievable. I mean, you still, regardless of what you said earlier, there are a lot of growers who don't believe what we saw from USDA earlier in this month of August. Uh, What does that do to us as we look towards September 12th? Well, those who don't believe won't believe in September either, you know, and... But you don't want to be in the way of a a government report anymore, do you? No, you don't. Um, You know, I must say we were were nervous going into this report. We were, like I said, 50% priced. But what we do in a report like that to protect uh, our clients is we, uh, and it's an easy thing to do, uh, you use what's called short-dated call options. I mean, it's like buying term insurance versus whole life insurance. And we did our entire corn and bean position going into this report, and it gives you uh, comfort uh, going into the report. And what happened this time around, you know, we paid $0.09 for a a short-dated corn call, and so, basically, when that report came out, that went to almost zero, three-quarters of a cent. But the corn futures are against it were down 25 cents. So make 25 cents on one hand, lose nine on the other, that's a pretty good day. And you can do that and still be able to sleep nights. I, my objective in marketing has always been one that I want a plan that allows me to sleep. Uh, I don't want one that, that's going to worry me. And, uh, you know, so some farmers will just say, well, I'm not going to do anything. Well... I, I wouldn't be able to sleep with that. I mean, the, these are markets where you, you want to make a lot of little decisions and not many big ones. Sage and, advice. And it's going to be that way the rest of this growing season, I think. I would imagine bankers want to see that stance, too, do they not, in many instances? Yeah, and I think what's going to be concerning here is if I was a banker and I'm uh, all of a sudden I find out that the farmer that I'm banking has a hedge account, but he was long futures in the hedge account rather than using it to hedge, uh, that's going to cause some issues, I think. And uh, I, I th- I'm afraid that too many uh, people got caught on the long side of this market. And then it also brings in tax issues because that, if you get audited, that, that's looked at as a pure speculative position and, uh, and any losses will be disallowed. And so, you know, most people look the other way. I think the temperature started climbing in the studio it, here. I'm starting it, to sweat listening it, to you talk about it. I mean, it's, it's going to cause some issues. If yeah. a person, you know, normally, though, I mean, from a practical point of view, IRS doesn't care unless it's a big loss, a uh, big write-off. I remember back in the 80s, this was a major, major problem for a lot of people. Uh, got caught in the long side of futures and lost hundreds of thousands of dollars. That That raises some red flags. And uh, ironically, in most cases, they don't even. A farmer can say, "Well, I'm buying back corn I've already sold." Uh, that doesn't fly either. That's um, still looked at uh, by most auditors as, as a speculative position. So, got to be very careful uh, when you're when you're making moves like that. Well, one thing coming back to what you were talking about earlier: if that yield, the corn yield, is there, we get the crop to maturity. Let's let's assume that everything falls into place. There should be some decent off the combine. Yield reports coming at harvest time. 
Whatever that harvest is. Yeah, whatever it is. You know, it's too early to tell right now. Like I said, you know, the Delta's harvesting corn right now, and yields are coming in very good there. But, you know, percentage-wise, not much of our corn crop really comes out of the Delta. Uh, and and in Tennessee and Kentucky, they've all got great crops. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. You know, I, I don't even know if the corn crop is mature enough uh, this year for some of the farm shows. Like, um you know, next week I'm going to be at, at Dakota Fest up in Mitchell, South Dakota. Um, be speaking there uh, for DeKalb Asgro, and you know, then the week after that is um, is the big show in Illinois. I think it's in Illinois this year. Dakota, Illinois. They yeah. plan to be yeah. running combines. And there. you know, is the that's the question: Is the corn mature enough in either one of those areas to be running combines? Well, probably not for many of the farmers, for sure. But for demonstration purposes, they plan to run the combines. Yeah, Mitchell, South Harbor, Dakota. So. I, I mean, that, you know, that, that area is way behind. Right. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. So I'll be up there Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, and uh, I, I hope to see some combines running. But we'll see. Appreciate you coming in, sir. Thanks for the time. Max, always good being here. Richard Brock, Brock Associates. Well, as usual, time has speeded, sped by here in the Saturday morning show, and we're coming up to news time. But looking ahead to next week, we'll be welcoming a lot of farmers from the Midwest to Chicago. The Growmark Annual Meeting and Agribusiness Symposium is underway, and that will happen on August 21st and 22nd. Hilton Hotel in Chicago. And, of course, we've been talking about it this morning, the Half Century of Progress show. That gets underway this week. Max will be there all week, and uh, on Saturday we'll be on stage together at Rantoul, Illinois, with the band Backpage and uh, entertaining and talking to some interesting people. So we hope to see you at uh, Half Century of Progress next week. Then uh, the following week, Farm Progress Show, you've heard us talking about that. And on the State Fair scene, again, the final day tomorrow for the Indiana State Fair, the Iowa State Fair, and the Illinois State Fair. Had a great time at the Illinois State Fair this year. Oh, and to all of you who have been asking, as you do every year, when is the Sandwich Fair? I keep reminding you, Sandwich Fair starts the Wednesday after Labor Day. So that means September 4th. Max will be there that day. I'll be there the next day, and it continues through Sunday. Busy, busy time. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to Bob Ferguson for doing the engineering. And we'll look for you again next week here on the Saturday Morning Show. Orion Samuelson keeps you connected to the world of business and agriculture on WGN. Hear his reports weekday mornings on the Steve Cochran Show and during the noon hour on the Wintrust Business Lunch. Plus, catch Orion and Max on Saturday mornings at 5 a.m. only on Chicago's WGN Radio 720.